0: Today's episode is brought to you by Canvas. Do you know how long it takes you to measure and model an as built? Probably more time than you'd like. Canvas replaces hours of manual measuring with a few minutes of scanning with your iPhone or iPad. And Canvas eliminates the hours, if not days, of taking your measurements and turning them into a 3D as built or 2D floor plan, all for pennies per square foot. You can try Canvas for free and download it at www.canvas.io and make sure to use promo code BF. That's www.canvas.io and promo code BF23. All right, now back to the show. Hey, I'm Spencer Powell, and welcome to Remodeler Stories, where we highlight remodelers. Every remodeler has a unique story and journey, and we can all learn from each other. Stay tuned. For a mix of inspiration, tactical tips, unique strategies, and some laughter. The remodeling business is tough, but rewarding, and we're all in this together. Let's kick this thing off. Before we get into today's show, let's talk about our show sponsor, Remodeler Growth Community. Remodeler Growth Community is a peer to peer networking group exclusively for remodelers. For a low monthly fee, you get access to some of the best minds in the industry life-changing business strategies, and the ability to connect and learn from people who've walked the path you walk. Go to remodelercommunity.com to enroll today. 100% satisfaction guaranteed or your money back, so there's absolutely no risk to you. Go to remodelercommunity.com to enroll today. Today, I sit down with Kevin Caps of KC Customs. Kevin founded the company back in 2000. And as an owner of KC Customs, Kevin has put in place over $30 million of installed construction in the Bay Area on the residential and the commercial side. Kevin oversees project development, pre-construction, estimating, and the financial management functions of the business. Now for my conversation with Kevin Caps. Hey, Kevin. Welcome to the show. Hey, Spencer. How's it going? Going good. Yeah. Give everyone the lay of the land. Who are you? What's the company? Where are you guys located?
1: Yeah, I'm Kevin Caps. The company is KC Customs, Inc., and we are a general contractor in the Bay Area, Northern California, around the San Jose, Palo Alto area. Right We've been, on. We've uh, been building houses for, for going on 30 plus years, been in the industry.
0: When did the, the company actually form? Was that 30 years ago or was that somewhere in between?
1: Yeah, the company formed back in 2000. So been in business for going on 23 years now
0: very cool. What prompted that if you've been in construction for over 30 years but then 2000 you started the the company what was the what sparked that?
1: I was a carpenter working in the union, working for big custom home builders as well and basically just kind of I'd have people asking me to do stuff on the side and you know, I was making pretty good money on the side and then just decided to turn it into a legitimate business, become a contractor. When I first started out, I was a framing contractor working for other general contractors and developers, just framing framing homes for them. And then I had a couple of developers, small-time developers I was working with that basically were never there. They weren't present. And most of the questions on the project usually get asked by the framer because we're the guys there putting it all together. So they quickly recognized that I could be the guy that could take the lead and help them manage all the subs. So. They slowly put me into a position and asked me if I'd help them out and manage their projects as well. And that's how we became more of a, a general contractor than just just one subcontractor doing rough framing of homes.
0: Gotcha. Yeah. And so, when when was that? Do you think was that just a couple of years in, or was that further along?
1: I'd say it was probably somewhere around the the third year in. I hit it pretty hard and was pretty aggressive. It took me a while to get my foot in the door with this specific group of developers, small developers that were just doing two, three spec houses a year. And they gave me a shot on this really small one. And I just, I, I blew it out of the park for them. And they just started handing me plans left and right from there on. So yeah, that's a cool. good impression with them.
0: After that, how long did that run last? And have you just continued to, to do that model or did it shift over time?
1: You know what? Yeah, I got really comfortable just working with them versus working with just a one-on-one kind of a client because it was much easier to work with them. They had a kind of a, a cookie cutter plan that they did. We could get in and get out pretty quick. I've been working with them, still working with one of them. Still today, They they split up the partnership, but I still work with one of them given today on spec houses that he does here locally. But yeah, I mean, I probably would do anywhere between two to three homes a year with them. And throughout the last, you know, 20 plus years, you know, we've seen what three, three rough economic downturns. I mean, I I was with them during the dot-com kind of bust, you know, that was the first one you know and then we we saw 911 which didn't last very long but it it definitely shook up the markets as well and those two dot com 911 were pretty close to each other and then the one back in 2008 where the bottom just fell out of the real estate market and it took them a while to recover from that they actually they didn't take any losses or anything but it was a long time before they went back into the game to start doing spec house building again just cuz that real estate market had been hit so badly
0: Yeah. Yeah. I find that that is a very pivotal time for a lot of builders. You know, they either did spec and got into custom or they got into remodels or, you know, just lots of shifts. Did you find that you shifted your business over the next few years kind of from that 08 time period?
1: Yeah, we did. During that time, we basically had to just focus on what what work was there, which is basically bathroom remodels, kitchen remodels. That was really the only thing that was out there. Occasionally, you might see an addition come in, you know, or, you know, the remodel of a kitchen and adding an addition on or something like that. And I basically, most of my marketing that we did and how we got those jobs were doing home shows. I was working art and wine festivals. I was spending a ton of money just to get into these shows and especially the art and wine festivals, those got really expensive. But It generated leads and it kept kept business coming in the door and helped us, you know, keep the lights on, keep the bills paid. So and I had a lot of contractor friends that just they didn't have any work whatsoever. Actually, a couple of them came to work for me during that time. That was how we were able to get through that time. And that was probably one of the roughest ones that we've seen. And I was very fortunate and lucky enough to make it through that.
0: Yeah. Well, it sounds like you I mean, you worked hard to make it through. And I know a lot of people didn't make it through that time. And the people that did, yeah came out stronger, the business evolved, you kind of, you know, you figured out how to get scrappier kind of pivot. And when did you feel like you really started coming out of that time where you, I guess, I don't know if I'd call it another pivot, but at that point, you're just taking on what you could to keep everything going. But when did you feel like you had a little more control and it wasn't just like the market is in the gutter?
1: Yeah, I'd say probably it was at least another two, maybe three years before we kind of started seeing an an upward trend and things starting to change and and turn around a little bit. I think the banks had kind of gotten more structure on what was going on with with everything that had happened with all the banks and all the mortgages and all the restructuring of that. And people seemed to get a little bit more comfortable here. And then all of a sudden, it seemed like there was a flurry of a lot of people buying houses for really inexpensive and getting some really great deals and then wanting to go in and they had some instant equity so going in and wanting to doing some remodel right away so yeah yeah so I would say somewhere around 2010 2011 and then it's it's been going as an upward trend as everybody knows for since then so
0: yeah pretty much up and to the right since for, for a decade so <laughs> yeah yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah longer than anybody ever had expected to see it to happen
0: yeah yeah it's almost like you get that like group think of making making what you think is going to happen come true or you know you're like oh business cycles are 7 to 10 years but then everyone's thinking that way so it kind of morphs you know how people make decisions <laughs> and i'm curious you know the whole the relationship between like the architect and the builder in this whole process and like hearing you talk about working with developers and you know there's designers involved like some of these positions have strong say as to how things get done like where the client's coming in i'm curious how you just think about that relationship globally like architect and and then the builder.
1: Yeah, I mean we try to encourage our clients, you know, first of all if they're if they're looking for a house that they're looking to buy and they may possibly be doing some remodeling or looking for a piece of land, you know, we encourage them to come and, and talk with us first and kind of find out what it is that they're looking for. And then we'll put them together with an architect that we that we work with locally. And the reason why we do that is Basically, I know the numbers. <laughs> you know, the architect can design pretty things on paper. And thankfully they can do that because without them, there's no work for us. But, you know, they don't know the numbers like we do. You know, we're out there all the time. We're dealing with vendors on, you know, weekly to monthly basis. We know what the costs are going of, of materials. We know what the supply chain issues are currently that that we've had to face over the last couple of years. So we try to let our clients know it's best to come and talk to us first. Get a kind of a game plan for what they want to do, and then we can talk about you know preliminary budgets and where we think that this this project's going to take them. And from there, then we can introduce them into the architect and and get them going on and designing something that's going to meet their budget. Versus a lot of the plans that we see, we'll get clients at a cost. They'll send us a set of plans, and you know we'll do a bid on it, and typically. They're usually over budget just because, again, the the architects don't really truly know what the numbers are. They know what square footage cost numbers are. That doesn't work. It's not a cookie cutter process that you can use on every project. So there's a lot of different variables to go into each individual project that that factor in what the actual real cost
0: is. Yeah, I mean, just thinking about finishes alone, you know, you can go bare bones finishes or high end finishes, and that's going to throw off all those averages, you know, instantly. I'm curious too, just to hear like when you so if if somebody does come to you first, ask you and you kind of get like a pre- preliminary, you know, budget put together, and then you're kind of referring them off to the architect. How is that conversation had? And because I'm sure from the architect's standpoint, they're like, Oh, I would love to, you know, design something with budget not in mind, right? Because then they can Kind of put design first, but there's the reality of budget. So I'm just curious, like how you get into the nuance of that discussion to try to arrive at something that obviously has a high level of design, but then also meets meets the budget.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think we we want to listen and find out what that wish list is first, you know, you know, and, and then try to. You know, and, and everybody hates to ask this question, but it's a question that needs to be asked at the very beginning of, you know, talking with a client is what is your budget? You know, because mm-hmm. if we don't know what the budget is, you know, it's not about, hey, what's the budget? So I know how much money to charge you. It's no, what's the budget? So we know what the parameters are of what we're going to design. If you want to tell me when we want to build a new house, it's, you know, four bedroom, three and a half bath, you know, we want to put a, a gym in, we don't want to have a home theater and, know and so on and so forth. Well, that's great. If we don't know what that budget is, we don't know if we're going to be able to meet those parameters and be able to get you within the budget that you want to be in. And a lot of times, you know, those things like having the home theater and having the home gym and all that stuff, that's all great. And everybody loves to have those big wish lists. But if we don't have the budget, then those are the areas and those are the conversations that we have to have and and talk with clients and just say, look, we're not going to be able to get the gym in. Maybe we can you know, we can frame out the room, we can get it all drywalled in or whatever. And we're just not able to finish everything out. Those are things that we can easily do in a, a phase two of a project or something. But we just try to give them a little bit of, you know, kind of value engineering in the process as well and letting them know that we're trying to help you guys meet what your goals are in your budget and with your dreams as well. But we just may not be able to get all those items in that list today, unless you have the a-
0: book bonuses that go along with that if you pick up a few extra copies for your friends and colleagues or your teammates. So it would mean a lot to me if you've been listening to this podcast for a while or even just a few episodes, if you've ever gotten any value out of it, head over to remodelermarketingblueprint.com and snag your copy today. All right, let's get back to the show. That makes sense. So it's almost like the must-haves and then the wish list, and then it's kind of a priorities game of like, okay, based on the budget, how many of these wish list items can we sneak in? And yeah, and I would imagine that's where having your expertise makes a ton of sense in that conversation from you kind of said value engineering. From my perspective, I'm thinking, oh, wish list, but you can kind of go, well, if this is the leftover budget, like you could get these three things if we do it this way instead of just like this one thing or something like that.
1: Yeah and again we're looking for ways that again I'm not trying to totally crush the dreams and the the idea of what they fully want but see if there's a way that we can actually rough in those things and then have that something that like I said have a phase 2 of a project you know which people don't tend to tend to want to do but you know, look I'm actually I'm doing it on a on a house that I'm looking to build for myself as well where you know I had a workout room and a sauna and at a whole another separate little bunk room later for, for guests and stuff. And I just started looking at the plan. I'm like, I got to cut some, cut some money out of the budget, you know? So what do we actually really need? Well, we don't need the bunk room right now. We don't need the workout room and we don't need the sauna. So those are easy areas that we could basically eliminate from the plan and still design it, knowing that in the future, it's something that we can easily add on and design the plan around it. So we still have access to get to those areas and create some, some hallways and stuff that we know in the future we can be able to easily add those things on.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That makes a ton of sense. I'm curious, is there anything else about like the relationship between builder architect that you feel like is? Really important, either in just communication or something we didn't cover.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think that that the architect and the builder are you know huge parts of the project. You know, so for those two to be able to communicate well and kind of see eye to eye and and know where this project is going from the from the onset of the project is is very key. And what we found is most architects usually try to like they they enjoy talking with a contractor that's very informative, knows what's going to be going on, and kind of gives them things and stuff to think about, you know, beforehand as they're designing stuff on paper, you know, so I, I usually, they're very encouraged to, you know, and they're excited to be able to talk with us, you know, about, about the projects from the beginning and have
0: our input as well. Yeah, that makes sense. I want to shift gears a little bit and go go back to just the business overall. I find the entrepreneurial journey is it's all over the place, you know, trying to navigate starting a business, growing a business. What do you think is something that maybe surprised you the most starting and growing a business?
1: I would say currently, right now, I would say staffing of of skilled labor today. You know, I grew up in an in an era where being a carpenter, it was a whole different way of of how things were done you know what in in terms of like kind of being an old school type of carpenter i worked on union job sites and big production type job sites you got your your paycheck said that you got paid an hourly rate but you didn't really get paid an hourly rate you got paid what we call as a piece price so For instance, you would show up and there was floors that needed to be joist. They paid you a certain amount per square foot to joist those floors. So you had to become very knowledgeable, very production and system oriented to be able to be quick enough to make a good, honest living during that time. I started out as a carpenter in early 90s. So we were just coming out of a bad, bad recession. Even then, and even being in the union, they cut a benefit packages out of Of what we had, so having to grow up and being a carpenter during that time, I think taught me a lot more about how to to learn my skill in a different way, to be more efficient. And again, system, having a system to everything that we do, which is something that I bring into my business as well too. I have a system for everything that I try to do to keep me in track and keep me in line with everything. But I'd say today, I would you know, finding skilled labor the younger generation wanting to go into the trades is not something that we see that's encouraged a whole lot. And, you know, look, there's guys that are like me, that that are 50 years old. You know, there's not many 50 year old guys that want to wear their bags and be carpenters out there pounding nails all day. So we need the, the younger generation to kind of step into those lines and, and help us out and, and take on some of that, that stuff. So.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's gonna be fascinating okay. to see how that one plays out. Yeah, just because we've we had so long where people were encouraged to go get a four year degree and go go into tech or go into, you know, something else, basically, just you know, non non construction. So
1: Yeah. I mean, you could still get a four year degree. You just get a four year degree and a blue collar for system, sure. You know, and become a person that actually builds something and looks at something at the end of the day and it shows that something's standing there. So
0: yeah. Yeah. I feel like a lot of things, you know, work on like kind of a pendulum. So maybe we will see that kind of swing back the other way, but it, it probably won't be an overnight, you know, thing.
1: I don't think it'll be an overnight, but I think, I think we are starting to see a little bit of that right now.
0: Yeah. So, yeah. All right. How about like crazy client stories or wacky, wild, interesting projects, anything come to mind over the last, you know, 20 or so years that, that you can share with us? Obviously you can leave out personal um, details and stuff like that.
1: I won't go into detail. I'll just say, look, it's impossible for anyone to please 100% of the people 100% of the time. Just not possible. The way I go about things are is I'll talk to people, treat people the same way that I expect to be treated whenever I'm going and hiring someone to do something for myself. And it's my, my practice to try to resolve whatever issues are. Because for one, in construction, I tell clients before we even sign a contract, listen, I can guarantee you there's going to be problems along the way. Just have faith in me that I will come up with some solutions and we're going to keep the project moving and we're going to get your house completed and your project completed. And you won't even remember what the problem was later on. And some people just don't, they don't understand that. They they Mm -hmm. just, they want what they want right then, right then. And I want it now, you know, and that just doesn't work in the construction industry, you know. So again, I, I do my best to try to please people and it's, it's tough. And I'll go the extra mile to to try to do that and make sure that they're happy at the end of the day. There's nothing. I mean, I wouldn't be in business for 23 years, you know, by not trying to please people, but just not going to do it all the time. It's not going to happen. You're going to you're going to have a client along the way that you're going to basically say it's probably best if we just part ways now.
0: <laughs> mm-hmm.
1: yep <laughs> so, and unfortunately, it's happened, and it's been amicable, and it's worked out, and we've just basically made sure that again they got everything that they needed to be able to finish and complete their project if if that's what needed to be done. So yeah, cool.
0: yeah, I would say I I uh, haven't talked to a builder or somebody in remodeling that has said otherwise. You know, there's <laughs> there's always something. There's always just you know whether it's personality or they they had different expectations or you name it, it could be a million things, but you just try to work through it as best you can and part on this as good of terms as you can and just keep moving. So <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And totally just, agree. Uh,
1: and, and again, just, yeah, you try to make it as, as easy as possible at the end and just move on.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm curious, what do the next few years look like in your business evolution and kind of plans? Well, let me grab my crystal ball. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Could you share um, that with the rest of us? <laughs>
1: Yeah, I don't know. I try not to turn the TV on and listen to much of the news. So again, we just kind of keep plugging along and you know, reaching out to more architects and, and trying to to bring more business in in that fashion. I, I don't think that I, I think we're going to see a, a downturn in in what we saw in the last couple of years or where the the business was at. So we're getting ready to ride the the downhill ride, I think coming into 2023. But again, I'm not one to give up. I've, I've kept this business going for 23 years and I'm going to just keep pushing hard to keep business coming in and get ready to hopefully transition out of the Bay Area in the next five years. So mm, gotcha. Finish a, finish a career somewhere else.
0: Right on. Yeah. Any, anything more you want to expand on there or leave it at that?
1: We're, we're going to Idaho. <laughs> sweet yeah we're gonna we're gonna start another business in idaho so yeah i've got got some architects we're already talking to out there and they're saying why aren't you here right now
0: so (laughs) yeah yeah that's one of those spots i've got some extended family out there and that's one of those spots that man over the last couple of years just skyrocketed and and i mean i think people with people being able to work mostly anywhere not everyone but a lot of jobs can people said you know hey. Send me the mountains. <laughs> yeah, yeah,
1: exactly. I love the mountains. I've, I've been going to this area for 25 years and it, it's a small, smaller area. So there's there's probably about 3,800 people that live there year round. Mm. So, and it's a, it's a booming kind of a spot where people kind of go, like you said, people can work from home with a lot of the jobs that they do today. So, and that's kind of what we're seeing in the architecture. Like, and I'm kind of surprised when I'm talking to the architects out there. And there, and I'm saying, look, it's already starting to hit here. It's, you know, we're having a downturn and they said, it's not happening here. You know, it's not happening here. So I I know two hours, you know, down the Boise area, it's starting to happen there a little bit because that blew up way too fast, but this is just an area. It's a smaller destination. That's there's two ski resorts nearby. You've got fishing, you've got hiking, you've got a great downtown community and everything. So I think people are looking for places to escape, to get rid of not being in the suburbia rat race. And those mm-hmm. people are going to those destinations. So
0: yeah, yeah, I totally agree. Well, Kevin, will any final words of wisdom or piece of advice you want to leave us with today?
1: Yeah, I would say, you know, if you're if you're looking to get in the construction business and be a contractor, build homes, look, it's it's going to be a lot of hard work. You're going to have a lot of struggles along the way. Just don't give up and know that you're going to have to to work hard. You're going to have to come up with ways of knowing how to grow throughout the year. There's going to there's going to have to be changes that you're going to have to make in your business. Look, the way that I started my business 20-something years ago is not the same way that I run my business today. Technology has taken over and you have to implement those things into your business to stay attractive to new clients today. So... I Good would advice. say that would be probably pretty solid advice for someone looking to start a construction business. Try to stay ahead of the curve with what technology is going on with today, but keep the old school mindset in mind as well because a computer doesn't build a house. You still need hands to go out there and bodies to go and get it done, but implement some of the new technology to help stay stay ahead of the curve and be attractive to your clients.
0: I like it. I like it. Yeah. Good advice. Yeah. It's definitely a, a road filled with hard work. And so, yeah. Well, Kevin, I appreciate you carving out the time and sharing your story with us today.
1: All right. Well, thanks, Spencer. It was great talking to you.
0: Thanks for tuning in to Remodeler Stories. Don't forget to subscribe to the show and leave us a review. Every month, we pick a winner and send out a free copy of my book, The Remodeler Marketing Blueprint. Just leave a review over on iTunes to enter to win. See you next time.